bulletin. Let me see here. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians now. <clears throat> if we're ready to go there. The book of Ephesians. And this time the first chapter. We really have a rough time staying out of the book of Ephesians and the book of Romans. I mean, you know, they draw us back real often. Anyway, so here in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. I'll read a few verses here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. Now, these ain't saints that you pray to. Matter of fact, we don't know any of those. You see, all human beings, even those who are with the Lord, they are sinners saved by the grace of God. And they are not worthy to be prayed to. None of us are. Everybody who is a faithful child of God is called a saint. Hagios in the Greek. Holy, holy one. Been made holy by God. I'm holy. That don't mean I'm, that don't mean I'm perfect. That means that I've been set apart for the master's use. That's all it means. That's just like this auditorium. It has to be clean every week. Now you say, well, it's a holy place. Yeah, but it's got to be cleaned every week. That, mean, that means that all the material of it ain't holy. <laughs> it's just like everybody else's material. It has, look that floor back there. Brother Lester and his trusted sidekick assistant has been working on. Beautiful job. But it had to be redone. Got rotten. Why holy don't get rotten? Well, here's the thing of it. It's holy in the sense that it's set apart for the master's use, but it wears out, got to have a roof on it, got to have paint job and all that, and that's just like us, we wear out, got to have a new roof, well, we don't get a new roof to get a rug, but in, I don't know, but anyway, we wear out, everything wears out, when I got, when God saved me, he didn't change my flesh, two minutes after I was saved, I'm still the same dude, only something different. I've been made a new creature. Now I got two of me. I got the new man, and I got that old man. And I'll not get rid of that old man till he covered up in a grave. But as soon as this old old flesh dies, my spirit, eternal spirit which has been made perfect in Christ, will depart to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How long does it take? Don't take no time at all. Because then you enter into eternity. And eternity don't have any time. It is. Anyway, I need to get past saints, don't I? I got sidetracked. That's all right. Which are at Ephesus. 
This ain't universal visible. It ain't universal invisible. This is local, visible, and the word is militant. Don't mean we're fighting, but it means that we're aggressive going. And to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That would be called a Hebraism in the Greek New Testament. Paul, a, the apostle, was an Hebrew out of the tribe of Benjamin. God did for him what God did for Abraham. He took a lost man and made a child of God out of him. The apostle Paul was a lost man, though he were a Hebrew, a Pharisee, he was a lost man. And God made him a saved spiritual Jew, which is what he did for Abraham and what he did for me and you if you're saved. Now, grace media. Well, without grace, there ain't nothing going on. Grace is the unearned favor of God. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can't deserve it. It is unearned. And God is merciful, but he's also full of grace. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. Peace follows the grace of God. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know exactly what God that we're, uh, we're talking about here. We know exactly. Now you can go out there in the world, you can get all the religion and all that, and you can get in all the clubs and the masons and the shriners and all the other, and the odd fellas and the really odd fellas and all the rest of them. You can get in all of them and they'll talk about God. You can get with all the liberals and they'll talk about God, but they don't ever define what God they're talking about. We need to define what God we're talking about. I ain't praying to all them false gods. This is the God I have to do with. Who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Brother said it in a devotion this morning. He said, except you've got to come through Jesus Christ to get to God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me, that is, by Jesus Christ. That's good stuff. Now, he says, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly, the word places is in italics, that means it was added by the translators. So you can read that without reading that word. So it would be spiritual blessing in heavenlies, in the heavenlies, in Christ. Christ is in heaven. Christ uh, ascended after the, 40 days after the resurrection. Amen. He ascended into the Father. And there he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for all these people here he's talking about. Amen. And if you're in there, you're right in there. Now how are we blessed in the heavenlies? That's how we're blessed in the heavenlies. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, making intercession for us, guaranteeing that his will will be probated properly. That's how we're blessed in the heavenlies. And not because somebody, oh, we're in heavenly places. No, it ain't. I ain't in heavenly places here. I'm on earth. Amen. 
I'm just temporary traveling through here. A pilgrim. That's all. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what we're doing here. Anyhow, I'll never get to this. Oh, verse 4 is very important here. According as he. Now he who? God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He hath. Well. How about that word? Eclectos in the Greek. That's what it is. That's the same word that we get elected from. The old will election. Boy, I do. God says that he elected somebody when? Well, let's see. It was in Christ. It was before the foundation of the world. Ah, we just talked about Ephesians 1.1 1, 1 in the beginning. But it was before that. So well, when before that? That would be in eternity. You mean God's in charge all? Am I? Yeah, that's what it's saying. That we, who? All of these saints and faithful ones in Christ should be holy and without blame before him in love. Well, without blame. I am not without blame. If you want to, you can blame me for just a whole passel of stuff. But say, I, I ain't taking that before God because I got a Savior Amen. who died to pay the sin debt for all of my sins and was buried and 72 hours later he arose from the dead and then he ascended into the right hand of the Father and he said I give unto them eternal life <laughs> eternal how long was that no end and they shall never you, you, you got to translate Never with eternals in the same verse, in the same context. Never is the same thing as eternal. Never perish. Well, perish, that's what he's talking about going to hell. You mean he's got some that don't ever, not ever going to perish? They're going to be, have eternal life with the Lord forever? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff now. And it was in love, having predestinated us. <laughs> us. Who's us? It's the we should be holding without blame. Chosen us. Bless us. Grace be to you, the faithful, the saints. <laughs> We're keeping this in context, aren't we? You can't reach out and grab something else and throw it in there and Say, well, that, that just nullifies all that. Oh, no. Let's just keep that in context. And it says, having pro-orizo. That's a Greek word. That means determined beforehand. Gets it back in eternity before the foundation of the world. Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now some kids don't like to hear that they're adopted. I don't know why. 
an adopted child, considering all things equal, has been chosen. A natural born child has not necessarily been chosen. And I'm not vilifying either. But for the most part, a natural born child could have gotten there by accident. <laughs> How often does that happen? I wasn't planning on this one. Ah, oh, you ever hear that? It doesn't mean they don't love them. doesn't mean they're not going to be good parents and have a good raising. It doesn't mean that at all. But it could be the motivation why you're here. Well, for the most part, when people go out to adopt, they I want that one. Isn't that right? So an adopted child should not feel downhearted because of it. Man, my mother and daddy, they chose me. They, you know, so, oh, well, we all ought to know that if you're a child of God, I ain't a child of God by natural birth. <laughs> I got adopted into the family of God. Isn't that wonderful? See, I was not, had didn't have a family didn't have a didn't have a family tree. Didn't have a nation. I was just wild grass and didn't amount to nothing. But God adopted me into His family. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Well, and it was by Jesus Christ. It was to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Amen. I had a had a theology teacher once. I don't want to hear God presented in that manner. Then you need to get your you need to get yourself in line with the Word of God. I like to hear God as He is. He is not as I want Him to be. He is as He is, and the Scriptures are the only place that we can find out who He is and how He is. This was all to the praise of the glory of His grace. There it goes again. Wherein He. <laughs> there it goes again. Hath made us. There it goes again. Accepted in the beloved. You, know, you hear this all the time. Won't you accept Jesus? Nowhere does the Bible tell you to accept Jesus. You ain't in a position to accept him. God hath made us accept. He didn't say acceptable either. I am not acceptable. If I had what I deserved, I'd be on my way, if not already in hell. He didn't make me acceptable, but he made me accepted in Christ. The beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood. We're not hard shells. Jesus Christ redeemed all of his own. That means he bought them back from the slave market of sin. With his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. 
And that is even the forgiveness of sins. Well, that word forgiveness means sending away sin. You can go through the Bible, you can find out where it says that, that God has put, put our sins to the bottom of the ocean. Nobody knows how deep that is. There are parts of the ocean that they've never plumbed yet. They guesstimate, but they don't know how deep it is. So all of my sins are at the bottom of the ocean. Nobody knows how far down that is. It says he's put them to his back. I don't know how far that is. It says that he has sent them as far as the east is, east, west, from the west. You never get to that. You keep on going. He gave us a beautiful picture of the scapegoat in Leviticus on the Day of Atonement when he, lead, the high priest who was in picture, in type, was Jesus Christ, our great high priest. He leaned on the scapegoat and transferred all of our sins to the scapegoat. Well now Jesus Christ is the scapegoat. I thought you said he was a great high priest. He is. He's also the, the, the Lord's goat that got his throat cut. And his blood was taken and put on the mercy seat. But, but the scapegoat was led out into the wilderness. By the hand of a fit man. He had to be a type of Christ see. So there we see the scapegoat. Actually it was an innocent goat. But all the filth and the abomination of all the sins of Israel were on that scapegoat. And that fit man led him all the way out in the wilderness to a no man's land. Where no, no man, no human being ever traversed there. And I believe it was about 72 hours later, the Israelites looked up and here comes that fit man. And he ain't got a goat with him. He left that goat out there in that land uninhabited with all them sins. And here comes the fit man. There's Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Amen. There was shouting in the camp of Israel. Here he comes. Three days and three nights, 72 hours later. Anyhow, let's go on. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. There it goes again. Which he hath purposed in himself. Salvation is all in God. His eternal purpose, Titus said, not our good works, and His eternal purpose and grace that in the dispensation, the ministry of time, the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also, there we go, we, what we, every one of we've got it so far, have obtained an inheritance. 
Say, I've never erred anything, don't have anybody that's going to die and leave me anything. If you're a child of God, you've got an inheritance beyond anything this world could ever offer you. Being, a lot of so-called Baptists don't like that word. I think it's the second time we've seen it, isn't it? Being predestinated, determined beforehand according to the purpose of him who worketh all things. There's an all that means all. After the counsel of his own will. You see, that's why the will and testament of Jesus Christ is going to be fulfilled. Number one, he died to pay the sin debt for all of his people. He arose. He ever liveth. You make a will and you hope some smart lawyer doesn't come come by and break it. You don't know what it's going to bring forth. You don't know how it's going to be carried out. Because you're dead. <laughs> well, I want this to be done. I, want this. I told somebody the other day, uh, Brother Walker, Appreciate it. Been with the Lord for many years now. They're making out the deed or the will, or, or not the will, but the deed to the Lexington Baptist College. And the, uh, you know, when they established it and all that. Brother Walker told the lawyer, said, can't you put in there that they can't ever leave the doctrines that we teach so we can put it in there, but it can't be, it can't be carried out. It just can't be, because we, we go to court, we change things, and as a matter of fact, not only his church but the school, far gone. We can't do that. We can't do that. We hope that our survivors will take care of things like we wanted it to be. That doesn't mean they're going to. But the difference is that Jesus Christ ever liveth to make intercession for us and he's going to guarantee that his last will and testament will be carried out. Anyway, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. He has the power to do that too. Here verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Not ours, of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ. I like that word. Elpizo in the Greek. Anyway. We've got a world today, a religious world today that likes to uh, create their own sayings, ditties, and little cliches and religious stuff that don't necessarily 
have anything to do with what the Scriptures teach. I've mentioned this to you before, but I've heard, I've even heard independent Baptist preachers talking about it. One of them, he said, you know, said I, I need to preach more to my people about how we need to fall in love with Jesus. You ever heard of that? Tommy Rot? In the Greek, you got phileo, which is a brotherly type love. And you got agape, which is the highest type of love. However, both those words are even used for the love of God. Mostly agape. And there is one more Greek word. But it's never in the Bible. Never in the New Testament. And that's eros. That would be the word that we get erotic from. Which would be sexual or romantic. That word is never used. Uh, Before I get too far along here, let's. Let's look at uh, uh, Ephesians 3, verse 17. Paul says to the same group of people, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, that's you all, he knew how to talk, being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, That is not your love. That is His love for you. And then look at 1 John. I don't mean to run you all over the Bible, but I like to I want you to see these things. First John chapter 4. Oh, verse 7. <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth he is born of God and knoweth God. Now you realize how limiting that is? I know there's love out there in the world, but, but not this kind of love. And he says, everyone that loveth like this has already been born of God and knows God. And there's a big reason for that. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. It doesn't say that God is a God of love. It says, for God is love. And if you don't know God, you don't know love. Regardless how nice a person you are. In this was manifested, brought forth, seen. 
And this was brought forth, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He is the mercy seat. He's the sacrifice. He's the offering for our sins. His life, death, burial, resurrection for our sins. Beloved of God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. No man has seen God at any time. There it is again. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Now, I want you to hang on to that. Uh... In whom you also trusted. It didn't say loved. Trusted. In Christ. After you heard the word. Of truth. The gospel of your salvation in whom also. After that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. There it is again. Paul did not say one thing about these Ephesian brothers and sisters falling in love with Jesus. There's a lot of these little quaint sayings accept Jesus give your heart to Jesus make a decision for Jesus have an encounter with Jesus none of them in scripture not even close but now they got this and fall in love with Jesus which I believe is far worse more perverted than any because that not only is infantile, it's lewd. Girls and boys fall in love and fall out of love and, and all that. Our relationship in God in Christ is not like that. Not even close. I get upset and I hear that kind of stuff. Especially an independent Baptist preacher talking I wonder if he knows the Lord at all. Anyway. Trust is the word. El pizzo. English synonyms to trust. Confidence. Belief. Faith. Sureness. Certainty, assurance, conviction, credence, reliance, 
And mine is lean. <laughs> That's what the high priest did on the scapegoat. Leaned. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Lean on Him. Depend on Him. Trust Him. I've heard people get up and give a testimony. Allegedly a testimony of salvation. This was really going on back when I first surrendered to preach. These so-called preachers get up and say, Well, here's my testimony. I was drinking two-fifths of whiskey a day. And the next one gets up and says, That ain't nothing. I was drinking three-fifths of whiskey a day. The next one gets up saying, I was drinking three-fifths of whiskey a day and taking all kinds of drugs. And I want you to know that is not a testimony of salvation. Somebody that's truly saved is not talking how bad specifically they were. Oh, they talk about all the women and the beer and whiskey and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's almost like they were gloating over it. Bragging about it. I don't see the Apostle Paul bragging about what he was. He says, matter of fact, he says, I, I am the chief of sinners. He never got over that. We say, why would God save a sinner like me? There's what's on the heart the hearts of a child of God. I praise that's why we sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see. Well, now, I've got a bunch of scriptures here for for, uh, trust but we're going to go on. Trust in Christ is the mark of a saved person. Not love. I'm not against love if it's truly love. But I don't see that love, as it's presented, has any bearing on the situation. Not that we love God, but the only reason we love God is because He first loved us. But trust is the mark. People revered him. Look what they did on the so-called, was that the Good Friday? That they threw the palm fronds in front of him, rode in on a colt. And what did they cry? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. And it wasn't any time until they were screaming, Crucify him, crucify him. Give us that murderer Barabbas. Crucify him. Well, all that kind of stuff will do is condemn you. Uh, Whom you first trusted in. First Trusted in. Now some have a greater degree of trust 
They've demonstrated that in their lives. Some of us have to grow, and our trust grows. Our faith grows. It does grow. It increases. But it's still trust. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. It's still trust. It's still faith. Simon Peter is serving an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that obtained, now look at this terminology, like precious faith. Oh, we'll see, he's of this or he's of that, and he's got much more. Where'd that come from? It didn't come from here. Here's the Apostle Peter. No, he wasn't the first Pope. He was an Apostle that even Jesus said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, because he had moved into the realm of serving Satan instead of the Lord. No, he wasn't lost. But he had some problems. And they hadn't been overcome yet. And I'm quite sure that they weren't all overcome at the time time they crucified him upside down. If that's what they did. But he says, the great apostle Peter says, to all of these folks he's writing to, which is us, and all over the world, to them... (laughs) that's good (laughs) which have obtained like faith and it's precious you mean brother Peter that me and you got the same kind of faith (laughs) yeah yeah it's like precious faith isn't it sweet And you know what? I don't care whether you're in a favela in Brazil, nothing but mud huts, thatch roofs, no windows, no doors. Poor. People think they're poor here. You ain't never seen poor. But those people don't know that they're poor. Everybody's just like they are. That's why they're happy people. We ain't happy people. We ain't happy people. We ain't got enough. <laughs> you wait. Or you're going to get happier because you're going to lose a lot of it. That's the way things are going, isn't it? Okay. Now what are we going to do about that? Continue. That's our word, Continue. I ain't going to quit serving the Lord because gas gets high. I may be curtailed in some of my activities, but I ain't quit. And then you know what? We're going to quit coming to church. Really? How do you quit assembling yourself? And God said, and Paul in Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as a matter of some is. 
Well, I can't go for one time a week. That's all right. I save up to go one time a week. Anyway, like precious faith. That's what. That's my point right there. Ah, that's good. All right, now. This trust is real and it is alive. Entire reliance upon Christ. Now, wait a minute. I hear people, oh, you got to have that faith. I hear that. Oh, you got to have that faith. Get up and say, y'all got to have faith. Well, now, wait a minute. A psychiatrist will tell you the same thing. You see, when somebody loses their faith, they're afraid to even go out of the house. Or they're afraid to do this or that. Is that the kind of faith? No. Or how about this? It's a sad turn of events when one of your loved ones comes down with a terminal disease. Now, it's bound to happen sooner or later because it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. That's what the Bible says. That's all because of the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden because of sin. It's going to happen. But that is sad. And I really wonder about these folks say, Oh, don't worry, it's going to be all right. It'll be all right. Really? And how do you know that? Well, I'm just trying to encourage you. You mean by telling them a lie? How about getting, getting them ready for the, pos, the real possibility? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready to meet God? Do you know Jesus Christ in the free pardon of your sins? Well, so, well I, I, I got faith that God's going to take care of this High gas and high food prices and all that. Really? I don't see that kind of faith anywhere in the Bible. What we have, we, I could say what we faith in, you can use faith as a verb. It is an action word. Faith, believe in, trust in. Uh, Oh, here's what we here's what we do. We have complete confidence, reliance, dependence, and lean on Jesus Christ that He has taken care of all of my sins, lock, stock, and barrel, past, present, and future. Amen. And they'll never be brought up against me. Amen. He has already taken my judgment from God Almighty in his body on the tree. Why do you think he was hanging on the tree 
Why do you think he experienced what he experienced and he willingly did it and he opened not his mouth when they accused him of what he wasn't guilty of but he did become guilty. And that's all a guilty man can do is be silent. Jesus became guilty for all of the sins of all of his people. Therefore he went to the cross and when God began to pour out his wrath on Jesus, his only begotten son, Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he was no longer the sinless son of God. He had become our propitiation. He had become the only sacrifice that would be received. Not a piece of bread. His body. His blood. He is the sacrifice. Our Jesus Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Well, that's good stuff. We rely upon him for sin and judgment and righteousness He is all sufficient. We trust Christ. He is our great high priest. To put away our sin. He's our prophet without equal. To remove our ignorance. Paul's always saying to the brethren. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Ignorant just means a lack of knowing. Paul wants to take care of that by giving us the inspired word of God that will remove our ignorance. We don't have to be cared about with every wind of doctrine tossed to and fro. Oh, And he's our king of kings. Lord of lords. Blessed. And only potentate all you Shriners listen to that. You ain't got a potentate past or present. We've got the only potentate that is potentate. This comes from potency. Power. And what does the Bible say? Power belongeth unto God. As old brother Barnard said, you can't have half of one third of the office work of Jesus Christ. He's prophet, priest, and king. People say, oh, you can have him as the Savior. You don't need him as Lord. That's a lie. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. You must trust Him. Obedience is to Him. If you don't trust Him, you won't obey Him. Could Could that explain some folks? If he's a captain of your soul, then obey him. 
You know what a ship's crew does? When you get into a typhoon or a storm, you obey the captain. That's what you do. That's his job to lead you through that, so guide you through that storm without capsizing. Now, humans may fail, but we got the captain of our soul that don't fail. He does not fail. This kind of trust will lead you to suffer and to labor for Christ and to suffer for Him. Could be. That's why some folks don't think it's a problem that they're not laboring, not doing anything for the Lord. And definitely don't want to suffer for Him. But we say about Jesus Christ, this trust is his right. He deserves the trust of his people in him. His name commands trust. Christos, the anointed one of God. God sent him. His person is glorious. The Bible tells us about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Not me. Lord, ain't nothing to talk about there. But Jesus Christ, his person. Who is he? He's the only begotten son of God. He is the second person of the triune Godhead. He's God that was manifested in the flesh. He is truly the God-man. And his work is is He was there in creation. Amen. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things in heaven above and earth below and the waters under the sea were made by him. In six literal 24-hour days, as the Bible plainly tells us, Amen. well, what about the billions of years? And what about the goo-to-you evolution? They're all lies. Amen. Now, you say, well, people have a right to their opinion. Oh, sure, you have a right to your opinion. But you don't have a right to present your opinion as the absolute truth and then demand taxpayer money to teach little children that I can tell you about any opinion I've got as long as I tell you that it's my opinion and you don't have to believe it or not if it's my opinion you can say well I think that has some Justification to it. Or, I don't believe a word of that, Brother Gunn. Not any problem. You got a right to do that. But if I tell you that my opinion is, thus saith the Lord, it's the absolute truth, 
I'm way out of my tree and you'd be a fool to follow me. They talk about dinosaurs. Now you all know when you stop at KFC or Lee's and you get you a piece of fried chicken. According to these bastions of scientific knowledge, you're eating a piece of dinosaur. That's what they all, they all say that T-Rex became a chicken. Don't, I mean, it's in the textbooks. They claim they've got fossils where dinosaurs had feathers, which is a lie. They do not. Do I believe there were dinosaurs? Of course I do. I believe dinosaurs are mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Job. Behemoth, Leviathan. You look at the descriptions, of course they're dinosaurs. However, Job knew what they were. Job lived about 2,000 years before Christ. That means dinosaurs were alive and well on planet Earth 4,000 years ago, not 65 million years ago. But they demand that your kids believe that garbage, and it's a lie. They make a lie out of it. We believe in truth. We believe in scientific truth. But they've never disproved one word in the word of God. Never will. Anyway, the person and the work of the sinless, righteous Son of God, His work is redemption, the whole ball of wax. His death is in power. Remember this. They didn't kill Jesus. Yes, they put him on the cross. When they came to break his legs, as with the two thieves, they had to break their legs, but not the legs of Jesus. Jesus was already dead. Now, how did he die? He bowed his head. He said, Father, now he's Father, not God. For the, he said, it's finished. He said, into thy hands, commend thy my spirit. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. He said, I have power. To lay my life down. His death was not a death in weakness. It was a death that nobody can effect. Because you can't will yourself to death. He willed himself to death. He said, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it up again. And 72 hours later, not from Friday to Sunday morning, from Wednesday evening to 
Saturday evening, 72 hours. Behold, <laughs> he is risen. How did he rise? He rose by the glory of the Father. He arose by the eternal spirit. He arose by the power of the Son. S-O-N, not S-U-N. The Trinity cooperated in his resurrection. We're talking about Jesus and his work. The person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. His work is redemption. His death is in power. His resurrection is life. I am the resurrection and the life is what he told in John 11. You must trust God's means of salvation. Trust does not rob God of his glory. People talk about, well, I got baptized. I'm all right. You saved yourself or somebody else saved you? No. Baptism is not what saves you. Your good works is not what saves you. It is absolutely lock, stock, and barrel, the complete work of redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ask me if I love the Lord, and I'll say, Yes, but I'm not sure how much. I wouldn't hazard a guess to tell you exactly how much I love the Lord. I'll just tell you that I do love the Lord, but I don't know how much. And even that's only by His grace and love for me. But I do know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Have you trusted Christ? Do you trust Jesus Christ as your Redeemer? I didn't ask you if you loved him. I asked you if you trusted him. That's our watchword. Let's all stand.